Am I on? Yeah. I'm on now? Everybody can hear me? Check, check. One, two, three, check. Okay. Cool. Wow. So I don't know if you guys have been hearing what the Lord's been saying this morning, but I have. And it's radical because, like, he speaks to each one of us by his spirit, right? And he was speaking to me this morning about unity in the body. So pastor came to me, and I had no idea that we would be doing communion this morning. I didn't think about it. First Sunday of the month. I know I should know. But I wasn't really thinking about it. And um, and pastor said, well, I, would you mind doing communion this morning? And I said, okay, well, I may not do the classic scriptures that everybody, not everybody, but some people do every time they do communion, right? But I want to be led by the Holy Spirit and what the Lord's saying, you know? And so I really want to take you guys um, to the book of John. And uh, we'll go to John 17. We'll start at verse 20. I really hear the Spirit of the Lord speaking to us about unity in the church and in the body of Christ. Not just here within these walls, but in the body of Christ as a whole. That there's been so much division and so much finger pointing and so many, so many fault finders in the body of Christ. I've been guilty of it myself, where we see something and that as Pastor Donna was saying this morning, that righteous indignation kind of gets stirred up in you, and you're like, oh, I've got to correct this thing. This, this can't go on, you know? And as an evangelist, it's very hard to keep my mouth shut sometimes, my wife will tell you, you know, that I just, I want to speak out. It's got me in trouble in trying to reach individual people. It's got me in, in trouble even with ministries, okay? I've had to learn hard lessons about keeping my mouth shut. But I always, um, the Lord always quickens us and reminds us of things, you know. So the other day, it's like, this is what the Lord's been speaking to me for a few days now. And the Lord reminded me of something my pastor down in San Diego told me many years ago before the first time I ever went out to preach anywhere outside the church. And he said, Robert, you're going to see many things that you don't agree with. Like, God has not called you to the office of a prophet. He's called you to be an evangelist. And you're not to open your mouth about the things that you see that are wrong. You're only to preach the blood. You preach Jesus Christ, salvation through his blood, and the transformed life through the power of the Holy Ghost. Leave it there. Just leave it there. And let the Lord take care of the rest. Right? Jesus said to let the wheat and the weeds grow up together. Right? Because what happens if we get so busy plucking the weeds? We're tearing up the wheat with it. Right, and so as I was saying last, um, actually it was in our meeting down south. The Lord was showing me last week about the same thing, similar things, you know, and the influence that we have, oh, in each other's lives and in the lives of the people around us. That we have to be so careful that that we're not so concentrated on the things that are wrong, the things that need to be corrected, 
that we neglect to love them the way that Jesus loved us when we were still in that place, right? It's, and it can be a challenge, especially when it's people that you really love and you care about, right? You want them to be over here in the fellowship of the believers because you know that what awaits them, right? So you want them to be there, and it's a desperate cry in your heart. But I want you to know it's also a desperate cry in Father's heart. And he sees the situations. He sees those people in your lives and stuff. And he's, Jesus is interceding for them too, okay? And he hears our prayers. You know, I always remember when my, how my grandfather got saved. It will always be a testimony to me. And I'll shout it from the rooftops till the day I die, so it'll be a testimony to my family and to those around us that knew him, right? That it was, my, it was simply by the fervent prayers of the righteous. Not that I'm righteous by any works that I have done, but by, through the blood of Jesus Christ, it transformed my life, right? But through my prayers alone, I had tried so many times in my own effort. I made multiple trips from California to come up here to try to reach him so many times that he came close to dying, that he had heart attacks and different things that happened where it was, this is it, this is it, this is that, that final moment, I've got to reach him. And would drive up here and make these trips unsuccessfully trying to reach him. And how, it, in the end, the Lord showed me that it was nothing that I could do myself. That it was all Him. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit had been hovering over His life just for that moment. And I, I believe that, that God allowed that moment to come to pass just so that I would know and really understand that the fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. There's people that you've been praying for and believing God for and God has heard your prayers. They're coming. They're coming into the kingdom. So I just want to encourage you with that, that we're to give ourselves to unity, give ourselves to love, right? To love those around us and be very careful that we're not interfering with our words, interfering with what God wants to do. But anyways, back to unity. <laughs> Hallelujah. How important it was to Jesus that we walked in unity, that we had oneness in the body. So important that in his, in his final prayers to the Father for the believers, not just the disciples that were walking with him, but in his final prayers for the believers, that was his number one concern, was unity. So we'll go to John 17, 20 and 23. Man, you're awesome. You're, our, you're on it. He is just so good at that, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Father, for Joshua. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing on his life. Thank you for the giftings that you've given him, Father, and that they will be used to glorify you, God. Hallelujah. So, sorry, I'm not even there. Everybody else is there? Should I just turn there? I, yeah, just hope you guys don't mind me getting a little drunk today. That kind of happens. Like, oh, over here? Okay, we're back over here. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So, mm. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Love to read the words of Jesus. Wow. We can say a lot of things, but man, when, when it comes to reading what Jesus had to say about us, what, oh, wow. Huh. Oh, if we could grab hold of, of what he had to say about us. Amazing. Sanctify them. I'm going to actually... We're at 17. I'm, oh, 
Well, we can jump all the way back there, too. I like that. 17. <laughs> Let's sanctify them. Hallelujah. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word that you sanctify us by your word, Lord. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Every one of us has been sent out. Every one of us. And not just Raddy and I going to the Philippines or Pastor Donna and Toby being sent down here to Grants Pass. But we know that wherever we are, God has sent us. He has ordered our steps. He has designed for us to be in that place, at this place, right here at this moment, and what he's going to do here in this valley. And wherever it is that he sends you, throughout the nations of the world, because there's some, there's some people here, this isn't where you're going to stay in Grants Pass. God's got a plan for your life. It isn't to warm the seat for the rest of your days. Okay? And there's people that are called to stay in the church and, and build up believers and raise up the young people in the church. And, and we've all got our place, right? But don't limit yourself by your own finite thinking of what God's going to do in your life. Okay? Because it... When at 13 years old, when I first heard Jesus call me, I didn't, I had no idea, right? And I was still so caught up in everything the world said I was, everything that other people said I was, that I had no clue where I would be. Over 20 years later, over 20 years it took before I finally came to a place where I was willing to die, where I was willing to hear that command, lose your life. You will lose your life, and you'll find your life. <laughs> that was amazing. When you come to that place, then God can use you, and he will take you to places you never imagined you would go. Do things in your life that you never dreamed that you would do. It's incredible. Hallelujah. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Here's where I wanted to get to. Neither pray I for these alone. Oh. Yes. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. Over 2,000 years later, that's us. Those that would believe through their word. And that first 12 disciples, out of that first 12, the impact that it's continued to have throughout the world, and in those that would continue to believe on the name of Jesus Christ, incredible. And the impact that will be, if the Lord tarries, another 2,000 years. The impact that will be through each one of our lives, in the lives of those that will believe after us. Incredible. But Jesus saw that the only way that that was going to happen was through unity. That there was unity was necessary in the body of Christ. So he goes on in his prayer, and he says, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That's, that's deep, to be one with Jesus, to be one with the Father. Incredible. Hallelujah. That the world may believe that you have sent me entire world would believe the Father sent the Son through our unity with 
one another, through our love for one another, huh, through our mercy for one another. In the times that we, that we struggle or we stumble or we accidentally throw sand in our buddy's eye as we're all in this sandbox together, that in those times that we would continue to show mercy and love, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. But that's where unity, that's where the unity is. Keeping ourselves in the love of Jesus. And the glory which you have given me, that you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them. It's Jesus in us. And you and me. It's God in Jesus. If God's in Jesus, Jesus is in us. And God the Father is in us. Hallelujah. Amen. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. There he goes again. That the world may know the Father sent him. Wow. And have loved them as you have loved me. Hallelujah. That's amazing. So that brings us um, to my message on communion. <laughs> Communion's all about oneness. It's all about coming to an intimate oneness with Jesus. As he broke the bread, he said, this is my body. He said, eat of my flesh. He also said, drink my blood. And how many, and so many people fled. They left him. They didn't have the understanding of what he was saying. And he was talking about intimacy with him. That if we will eat of his flesh, drink of his blood, have that communion with him, that intimacy with him. That, and so many, the Lord revealed to me that so many were afraid of that. They didn't want intimacy with him. They didn't want to step in deeper in relationship with him. They loved the miracles. They liked seeing the miracles. They loved it when, he, when the, bread was, the, the bread was multiplied and the fish were multiplied. They loved receiving the food and what they could get. But when Jesus called them into a place of intimate relationship with him, most of them left. Why? I, don't, I never understood that. I never understood that. Because when his love comes and it overwhelms you, you can't help but love him and, and want more of him and to go deeper in that relationship with him. It's fear. Yes. It's fear. It's fear. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And that's why the, in this oneness that there has to be love, yes. forgiveness, forgiveness for each other, yes. not judging one another in our faults, but helping each other along the way because sometimes we get off track, right? Yes. Sometimes when we do things, we're like, or we're thinking of going this direction or that direction, and we need to help each other along the way because the enemy of our soul is continuing to wage war against us, right? He's continuing to throw those darts at your mind to attack, attack your mind, and that's where most of the battle is for all of us, yeah. right? 
You know, so we're to be accountable to each other, to build each other up, right? And encourage each other to continue on, yeah. right? And, that, and by doing that, erasing those things, judgment, the way that the world does things. See, so many people are afraid to, to open up, right? To, to, and I'm not saying you have to go to everybody in the church, stand up in front of the church every time you make a mistake, right? Because it, it doesn't work that way. If you've got a real problem, go to your pastor, you know. <laughs> but if we give ourselves to love, we won't have time for anything else. That's right. right? Amen. So hallelujah. Hallelujah. So before we show what we're doing in the Philippines, I actually want to do communion first. <laughs> I feel like that's the way the Lord was leading me. So um, if you guys want to, uh, the ushers, if you guys want to pass out the elements. This morning, that would be wonderful. It's the new set. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. So we've all been, uh, everybody's been contributing, and we've been praying for the, the new communion set to be uh, paid off and everything. And today, we we're blessed we get to use it. And yeah, the Lord is so faithful. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So good. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Ready's recording, so if you want to do that, that's fine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So communion, coming to coming into intimacy with the Lord. Well, it's serious business when we when we come to the Lord, you know, and. You can't come to the Lord with all kinds of garbage going on in your heart and unforgiveness towards your brother, right? Because what does the Bible say? It says that we'll heap condemnation upon ourselves. Like, we'll get sick. We invite sickness and disease and things like that upon ourselves. If we're harboring unforgiveness, we're harboring sin in our lives. And so before we take communion this morning... We need to do a little self-examination, okay? And the Lord knows our hearts. He already sees everything that's going on in our lives and the things, anything that's unrepented. We need to just repent, turn to the Lord, because we know that if we repent of our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to, to remove all unrighteousness from our lives. My prayer this morning, Jesus, so you bring us, each one of us, into a greater place of intimacy with you. Lord, that we would truly understand what it is to partake of your life. And to walk in oneness with you, Lord. To walk in oneness with you, Father. With you, Holy Spirit. And that we would know what it is to have unity in the body of Christ. I thank you, Father, for giving us a heart to forgive as you have forgiven us. To love one another and to lay down our lives for each other the way that you laid down your life. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken for each one of us. That as your body was broken, you took upon yourself our sin, 
our sickness, our disease, our healing is in healing is in your broken flesh, Lord. So Lord, this morning as we partake of this this bread here, Lord, we remember that you've called us to be partakers of your life, of your body. That you make the body of Christ whole. Each one of us individually, that there be no sickness in this house, there be no disease in this house, that not one person would find themselves questioning healing for their body. I speak healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. Life is in the blood. Hmm. Lord, I thank you that your blood was shed for me. For my sins personally. And the sins of the whole world. That you didn't leave anybody out. That even if Judas had repented... You would have forgiven him. That your blood was even shed for him if he had only applied it to his life. I thank you, Lord, that there's no sin that's too great. It's all the same. This morning, as we partake of this grape juice, in remembrance of the blood that was shed for each one of us. I pray that forgiveness would come into your heart for those that have done wrong against you. That a miracle grace would come upon you to forgive without holding back anything. I thank you, Jesus, your blood was shed for forgiveness of sin. Thank you that you, each person here is marked by that blood. something else. I'm like, yeah. That was good. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Wow. He didn't stop there. <laughs> wow. He didn't stop there. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Jesus, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. The purpose and plan of God for each one of our lives. Yes. It's incredible. Incredible. So, 
before we get to videos and all that stuff, Jesus has commissioned each and every one of us. He has called each and every one of us to reach the lost. First here in Jerusalem, in Grants Pass, Oregon, right? And unto all the nations of the earth. Jerusalem and Judea and Illyricum and all the nations of the earth. It starts right here. Yeah. That's what the Lord has shown me this morning. You know. And Pastor Donna began to speak about how the Lord establishes us in his house and, and how he plants us in a place and how we can look at the circumstances around us and, and, and start thinking, well, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be, you know, and try to take off somewhere else. Yeah. Just a little personal note. I've been there. I've been there. And we've all been there, you know. The Lord sends you somewhere. He places you somewhere. And then challenges come because the enemy doesn't want you there, right? He knows what's coming. And he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to stop the purpose and the plan of God in their life and in that church. But I believe that God has placed every person that is here this morning in this church, and even those that couldn't make it this morning, they realize it or not, God has brought them here to this place because he has a purpose and a plan for them being here. He wants to establish them in this house so that the body not only will grow, right? not only will the church grow, but that Revival will come to this valley. I don't believe that revival is going to come to the valley through one church. I believe it's going to come through the body of Christ finding unity between the churches, not finger pointing and fault finding, saying we're unified by the cross. We're unified by the blood and allow God to do the work of mending relationships. Right. If we'll lay down our pride, we'll lay down our own thinking, things that are important to us individually, and allow the Holy Spirit to reconcile, because that's what Jesus came to do. He was a repairer of the breach. He came to reconcile man to the Father. And if we'll let him, he'll reconcile our relationships as well with other believers. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You know that I don't prepare ever. I don't. I pray, but I don't write out a sermon. These are my notes. Four scriptures. Those are my notes. Four scriptures. Because I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. So at all times, just being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's, I wouldn't say do that for everybody to do that. I just, I fight against pride. We all do. We fight against pride. Pride, pride of life. Pride of your own abilities, the things that you can do on your own. That's something that all man fights against, right? And if we're not careful, those things end up taking hold in your life, you know. So let's go to Matthew uh, 28. Jesus' words. Let's go to, what, let's see what Jesus has to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're at 28, and we're going to start at 18. We're going to go through all the books real quick this morning. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, watch your guitar there, because there were drips coming down over there. I put a trash can. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the rain. 
thank you, Lord, for the rain and a sign of what's to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And Jesus came and he spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's not just for him in heaven. All power he's given to him here on earth. Check this out. Now go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's go over here. To, we're going to jump over here to, uh, to Mark 16. First, we're going to start at verse 15. Good. He's so fast. You're, you're faster than I am with the Bible. It's... <laughs> Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Woo! You know that if you just lift your hands, if you just lift your hands and turn your heart towards heaven, you'll show up. He will. He will just show up. And when you become so confident of that, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, what the circumstance is, what's trying to keep you from fulfilling what Jesus said you would do. That's where we're at this morning. This is a life of every believer. This is what the commission that he has given each one of us. But no matter what's going on to try to distract you from that, rob you of the call of God in your life, if you just lift your hands to heaven, Jesus, Jesus. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. First song I ever sang that I encountered the Lord. That I knew what it was to feel the presence of God. And I've come to know that no matter what's happening, and sometimes it takes me a moment to remember so let it take forever. Sometimes we all have challenges, things that come. But if we turn our heart towards heaven and know that the lover of our soul hears us and he's there waiting for that communion, he's waiting for that intimacy, it's amazing how all that stuff just, it's gone in an instant when you step into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So where were we? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. If I told you my complete testimony, you would realize I have nothing to glory in myself. Nothing to glory in myself. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> like every creature. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, if you've only got a 
If you only got a donkey to preach to, then preach to that donkey. Maybe he'll become a horse. Be obedient. I don't know. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Nowhere in there did I see they might recover. Maybe they'll recover. It's a possibility they could recover. No, it says they will recover. Right? These are the, hallelujah, signs that, signs that follow. Thank you, Father, that you grant us miracles in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Hallelujah. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, where he is still sitting and forever making intercession for each and every one of us, that the plan, the purpose of God, that glorious call that he has purposed for you while you were still yet in your mother's womb, that it would be fulfilled in you, that you would be victorious in life, and that we would walk in oneness with each other in seeing these things accomplished. There's a great plan of God for this church, for High Rock Church. I see that revival being birthed out of this church in this valley, and through unity and oneness with each other, and nobody try lording over each other or being jealous of each other's ministries. I mean, pastor hit it this morning. You hit it hard. You hit it so right on because that's the first thing that tries to come in jealousy and coveting covetousness of each other and the ministry, each other's ministries and, and, and fault finding in each other. They're not doing this perfect. They're not doing that perfect. They didn't do this. I would have done it that way. That's not the body of Christ. That's not who he's called us to be. We all have different personalities. We all have different characteristics, things that we, that we bring, right? Different giftings and callings that, that Father ordained should be in the church, right? For our edification and our growth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in order to see the miracles, the signs and the wonders flow, there must be love. There has to be love. That's the greater thing, is that there has to be love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm going to go over to uh, Luke 24. Just in case nobody's getting it yet. Jesus covered it. He covered it. You know, just in case all you had was the book of Luke or all you had was Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Every one of them, Jesus commissioned the church. And every one of them, he prayed for the church, for unity in the church. Hallelujah. The message did not change. Jesus is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, he'll always be the same.
going to get faster than you one of these days. Maybe next time I won't give you the scriptures ahead of time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And said unto them, I'm going to start there at 46. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Oh, we're coming up on Resurrection Day, guys. It's awesome. And that repentance, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. He didn't tell us to go do it alone. He empowered us to do this. Hallelujah. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What were they doing when they were tarrying there? They were praying. They were giving themselves to fasting and prayer and worshiping the Lord. And there was unity. There was unity in the body. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came. And every one of them was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and as it was, if tongues of fire were resting upon their heads, and they began to, to speak in tongues, declaring the glory of God, and what happened out of that? Peter began to prophesy. And we saw 5,000 come into the kingdom of God as a, as a result of, that, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. The Lord's shown us how to do it. He's shown us how to reach the lost. He's shown us how to bring in the multitudes. It's by His Spirit. We can do a lot of things in our own effort. You can do a lot of stuff, you know, that looks good, but through unity, through the bonds of peace between us, through love, gathering together, worshiping the Lord together, seeking his face together, we'll see the power of God move through this church, through each one of us individually and corporately as a body. Amen. Radical. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to John 20. I didn't forget John. <laughs> you got commissioned in John 2. <laughs> Each one of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm praying God will give us a heavenly vision for reaching this valley. The summer's coming, spring's, spring's upon us, summer's coming, and we know there's different events that go on here in the valley, and it's great. People are encouraged, built up in their faith, and so forth. I want to see, see a move of God. Not what we can do on our own, not what man can do, but a move of God. And so I, I would ask you guys to join us in praying. Pray that God would reveal to us what it is he, he desires to do what he wants to do in this valley through this church to reach those that are outside, you know, and those that are, that haven't been willing to step out yet. Shailene's already doing it. She's out there reaching the, the lowliest of people, those that have been rejected by society. 
okay? I was one of them. I was one. I was homeless at, at 16 years old. I was kicked out of my, my parents' house. By 17, I was on the street because the relationship I was in failed. It wasn't of God. And I was out on the streets. It was my uncle, I remember, coming to visit me, coming to Orlando, Florida, while I was totally living in sin. It was a total mess. And he said, hey, I want to take you out to lunch. <coughs> I want to take you out to lunch. And as he, when he took me out to lunch, he didn't judge me. I was there with my, I was there with, in the sinful relationship still with the person I was in sin with. And he just told Jesus loves you. God has a plan for your life. And at that moment, I didn't hear it, right? But I know that he was led by the Holy Spirit because all these years later, the Lord re reminds you these times, these seeds that were sown and the seeds that were planted, right? Some plant, right? Some plants, I mean, some scatter seed, right? Sow, some water. Yeah, yeah. Father gives the increase. Where are we at? Hallelujah. Let's get a vision. Let's get a vision for this valley. Get a vision for the lost in this valley. Even ask the Lord to give you the vision, give you vision for one soul, yeah. one person that you can impact. And if each one of us impact one person, by the end of a couple months from now, these seats will be full of people because we pressed in and we cried out to God for one soul. Show me that one. Show me that one, Lord, that your spirit's hovering upon their life. And you're waiting, waiting to bust through. Show me that one that I can reach, Lord. And he'll show you. He'll show you. I'm reminded real quickly of a, an evangelist that I know in Cal from San Diego. God's using him all over the world now. These massive crowds, multitudes of people, seeing thousands and thousands come into the kingdom each time he preaches. But I'll tell you, he began with one, one soul. There was a young man that, his name was Frisco. He came out of hardcore gangs in San Diego, Mexican gangs down there. Ulysses knows what I'm talking about. Frisco had spent most of his life in prison, in and out of prison, okay? And my friend Kelly was living in a, a loft downtown San Diego, and he ran into this guy, Frisco, one day. And he began to talk to him about the love of God. And he began to share with him the heart of Jesus and how God loved him right where he was at and how God was going to transform his life. He dedicated himself to that man. Kelly dedicated himself to Frisco reaching heaven. Frisco bumped his knees. He's, he fell down. He scraped his knees and his elbows many times along the way. But there came a day, there came a day when he completely sold out for Jesus. And his life was radically changed. He now leads the biggest lowrider gospel crusade in all of Southern California. The police invite him in to counsel other prisoners, other gang members that want out. His life had been radically transformed by this great evangelist. God is Kelly's doing a leger. He's doing ma massive crusades. But he dedicated himself to just one soul. And that's where it all started. That he would see Frisco become everything that God designed for him to be. 
radical stuff. Just a beautiful testimony to me, what God did. So where were we? Jesus has commissioned you. He has commissioned every one of us. Hallelujah. I got lost. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And this is the power that he has given us as a believer. That whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. You have the power to let people know that their sins are forgiven. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I've never found anybody that I wanted to retain their sins. Don't. I look at myself in the mirror and the Lord reminds me of where he brought me from and, and what he brought me out of and, and, and it breaks my heart to try to hold something on somebody. I, I don't understand the fullness of what, what was being spoken there, Pastor. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I, I know that every word is, supposed to, is in here for a reason, right? And there's, there's, I don't know if it'll ever come to that time. He'll reveal it to me. But I know that he's forgiven me so much. So how can I, how can I hold wrong against somebody else? or judge another man's servant. Hmm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) He breathed on them. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We go to Luke, I mean, not uh, Acts 1.8. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem right here in Grants Pass, right here where we live, in our hometown. It's the first place the Lord sent me the first time I ever stepped out to preach. The Lord said, go back to your hometown. I was sitting in a, several rows back in my church in San Diego, and I, and I heard the pastor say, could you imagine that God would use you one day, that God would send you back to your hometown to bring revival? A year later, I heard the same thing. You know why? Because I didn't listen. I didn't listen the first time. Yeah. I always try to be transparent. We have to learn from each other, right? Lay down your pride and confess your faults. I did not listen. 
Fear came in. Circumstances came in. All these things came to stop the purpose of God in my life at that time. And so for a year, I struggled with all this other stuff that had distracted me and kept me from doing what I, I knew without a doubt I heard God speak it to me. I sat there trembling, shaking, crying, a mess, snot-covered face, everything. All my face in the carpet. Yet I disobeyed. For a year, I allowed the circumstances of life and everything that was going on around me at that time to keep me from walking it out. Here's the mercy of God, though. And I want you guys to, to grab hold of this because it's all about his mercy and his forgiveness and his love. That he, he doesn't ever repent of the gift of the calling in your life. He's always calling you. He's always drawing you, saying, okay, are you ready now? Are you ready to walk this out with me? Because, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. I'm always with you, no matter what's going on, no matter how big the waves are that are crashing on the shore. No matter how much that boat's rocking, I'm right there. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to allow you to drown. But one year later, I'm sitting in that. I know I was sitting in that same chair. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say through my pastor, could you imagine one day God would send you back to your hometown to bring revival? That time I listened. And when I went to my pastor at the end of that service, I said, Pastor Mark, when you were preaching, there was a point when you said, do you imagine one day God would send you back to your hometown to bring revival? And I'm telling you that I want to go. I want to go. I want to go back to Grants Pass. I want to hold a revival meeting. And the, and I, had, I was like, I'm doing this. And I said, do I have your permission? Will you send me? And he said, I never said that. Really? He said, I never said that. You didn't hear me. And he goes, but I know, the, I know you heard the Holy Ghost. You can go. And it's amazing the love and the mercy of God. That no matter how many times we've blown it or we've, we've failed to listen to his voice, that he's always reaching out saying, are you ready now? I, I'll use you. I'll wear you out. Are you ready? <laughs> I got some things for you to do. Will you trust me? It's beautiful. The love of God and his mercy toward us. That he took this guy, this foolish man that spent years in and out of church, stumbling around, playing with religion, having encounters with God here and there, my life and falling back into drugs and pornography and all alcohol and all the other garbage that the world chases after. I chased a lot of it and it worked death in my life. Yet God still saw me in that place. I said, I'm going to use that man one day. One day I'm going to use that man. That's incredible love. That's the love we're to have for the lost around us, for the world that's dying around us to see them the way that God sees them and say, one day, it, I may not see it in my natural eye right now, but I know that God has a purpose and a plan for that man's life. 
even when they're out there, Shailene, in the, in the gutters and filth and stinking and everybody's driving right past them, that God would use you to show his love to them so that, they could, that he could fulfill everything he purposed in their life. It's incredible. Yeah, bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where to end this morning. Um, we're going to show some videos, I guess, <laughs> about what we're doing in the Philippines. You know, I went to the Philippines in 2015. It was three years later after I had come to Grants Pass, and we did that event in the park. And um, I had had a lot of challenges. I had a lot of things that came that challenged me in those three years and challenged relationships. Um, and so here in 2015, I, I was doing a remodel for a friend at church in California, remodeled their bathrooms, and his wife was like, you know, you're, you're in ministry, you're going to school full time, and because somebody told me I needed to have a career if I was ever gonna have a wife, and so I decided I'd go back to school. So um, here I am, school full time, ministry, and I'm trying to start a plumbing business. <laughs> Woo! It was crazy. And I had a friend of mine whose house I was remodeling, and his wife said to me, when you get done with our bathrooms, you really need to take a break. You're killing yourself. And I said, okay, well, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, kind of blew off. She's like, you should go to the Philippines. Really, you'll have a lot of fun there. She wasn't even saved, <laughs> you know. Like, she wasn't even saved. I don't know why I was taking the advice, but she wasn't even saved. But I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And I was in a place where I was lonely at that time. I had started talking to somebody. Like, I had my own plans. I really, I had my own plans. And I had this plan to go to a five-star resort. And I had the whole thing booked. Everything that I wanted to do to feed my flesh. Make myself feel good. Right? Well, God had other plans. And three days before that trip, I was so overwhelmed by everything that was going on and with my school and work and all this other stuff I was doing, I canceled everything except for my airline tickets. I couldn't get my money back. <laughs> so my mom calls me, and she says, I heard you canceled your trip. And I said, well, yeah. My mom struck me. I love her. I love my mom. I forgive her. But she even came against me physically and assaulted me when I came to Grants Pass to preach in the park because career should override ministry. <laughs> not, not in God's view, <laughs> but that's the way I've been raised. And um, pursue money first, God second. Jesus, help us. So here she calls me and she says, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I feel like there's something there for you. Yeah. I got off the phone and I, I was a mess. I was crying. I was on the on the floor, Lord, what are you doing? I know that wasn't my mother. I know that was you. I don't know what you have in store for me and what you're going to do, but I'm going to go. I'm just going to be obedient and go. I didn't even, re I didn't get another uh, hotel. The resort was already booked. I lost my, I, when I canceled, somebody else took that reservation quick. So I couldn't, all my plans were out the window. 
left. I arrive in Manila, I don't have a hotel yet in Cagayan de Oro and got to catch my next flight and I jump online and I just book a hotel. I end up in a zero star hotel in the middle of a Muslim marketplace. Okay. Yeah. For just over a week. And um, first night the Lord, uh, we, we go to exchange our currency and, and I hear the hear worship music coming out of this restaurant as I'm walking down the street and, um, and I felt the Holy Spirit drawing me pulling me in there. And I turned to the person that was with me at the time, and I, I said, do you hear that? He's like, what? And I said, I hear worship music. I hear, the, Lord's, the Lord wants me to go in there. And he, he didn't hear it. He didn't, hear what, he didn't know what I was talking about. I said, all right, well, we, we're going in anyway. So we walked in, and we go through this restaurant, and, and there's an opening in the back of the restaurant, and we walk through this archway and look in, and there's a worship team that's in there just practicing and I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to sit down here for a while because I felt the presence of God. And so when I sat down there in that place, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, no matter how far you go, no matter where you run, <laughs> you will never outrun the love I have for you, the plan that I have for your life. And I got right. <laughs> I said, Lord, I've been distracted. My heart's been on the wrong things. I've been doing my own thing. Still holding on to you just a little bit, but off here doing my own stuff. Lord, I'm done. I'm done. And I got my heart right with God right there. And, and at, the end of that, uh, at the end of that moment, I opened my eyes and the place is full of people. The entire church had showed up. Yeah, and so they start worshiping. I've been liberated. I'm dancing. I don't even know these people. I'm almost 6,000 miles away from home. I know nobody there. Had no idea what I was going to be doing during this trip. And I was set free, completely free, liberated to dance and to worship the Lord the way that he dances. Yeah, and he sings over us. Amazing. Freedom. Freedom. No matter where you're at in your life, no matter how far you think you are from the plan, the purpose of God for your life, he stands ready. And he will redeem the time. He'll restore everything that's been lost, everything the enemy has stolen and robbed you of, everything he's done to try to keep you back. He'll remove those roadblocks. Every, every <laughs> yoke broken off. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that there won't be one person here that feels that they are not adequate, that they are outside of your love in some way, outside of your purposes for their life, God. I thank you, Father, for moving in power through every person here. Every distraction removed in Jesus' name. Every hindrance removed now in Jesus' name. Freedom comes. Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you that the anointing breaks off every yoke, every hindrance. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
It's all about just falling in love with him. Falling in love with the one that first loved you. Just staying in that place. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 So it didn't stop there that night. The next day I found out on my way to that trip that there was an elderly evangelist in town. He was 86 years old at the time. Okay. He and Jack are about the same age. They're only a few months apart. Okay. Jack knows who he is. John Philip Spitzbergen. Yeah, you, you know who he is. And uh, here he is at the end of his life. Some would say the prime of his life. He's there preaching the gospel, planting a church, his final mission in life. Let me plant one more church, God. Let me reach one more soul. I watched that man with gout, knees swollen out, couldn't walk, with a desperate cry in his heart. Let me reach one more soul. One more soul. He found out that I, we found out that we were both there. <laughs> And he contacted me because I was in his son's church for many years. And he said, I want to pick you up and take you somewhere. And he took me to the First Assembly of God in Cagayan de Oro. And little did I know that Raddy was there volunteering, right? 12 hours away from home. She was supposed to go home two weeks earlier. Yeah, plan the purposes of God in our lives. How he ordains things, orders our steps and amazing. She was supposed to go home, and she felt like the Lord was telling her, volunteer for two more weeks. So she went to her pastors, and they said, sure, you can stay on for a couple more weeks, right? That day that I was there, that, the, that John Philip had taken me to this church to meet the pastor there, there was a contractor that had 50-plus employees, a whole room full of people. It was like this room, but packed people. And he would pay their wages to go to church. Well, yeah. So here's this whole group of people. They're, being, they're just like in there worshiping the Lord. So when we got there, we showed up way late. They were almost done. They were getting ready to give the altar call. And, and we were just in the back. I just had my hands raised and just worshiping Jesus. And Raddy comes in the door. And in the door, she sees through the glass doors in this other room. She sees me in the back. My hands are raised, worshiping the Lord. And she just said, Lord, she didn't say, bring me that man. She said, Lord, bring me a man that worships you the way that man is worshiping you right now. And I had made a vow when I saw God moving when I was there. I cut off the relationship, the person I was talking to immediately because I knew this isn't God. And when you know it's not God, you don't need it. So I said, no, I don't, don't want to go. I'm not going this route. I'm not going to do what I can do in my own strength. So I just consecrated myself. I said, Lord, I consecrate myself. I will not speak to any woman while I'm here. And the reason being, that I, first reason that, it, that I did it was because I began to learn about the culture. I began to learn about the stigma that Westerners have, even Western missionaries and evangelists and pastors that travel to Asia and the things that go on. And, and the Lord began to break my heart for the people and and for these things that are happening. And I said, Lord, that won't be me. It's not going to be me. I don't want no part of that. And so I watched how the Lord worked miracles and, and brought us into each other's lives. 
when I got back to the US, all these people friended me and I didn't even talk to any of them. I had my guard up so, because we're to guard our heart, right? Because out of our heart flows the issues of life, right? So I was like, nope, putting a wall up. I'm not talking to any of them. So instantly I've got like 500 friends from the Philippines. I don't know any of them, but somehow they know me, <laughs> you know, because they saw me there. And Raddy had sent me a message. She just said, excuse me, are you a pastor? And, um, and I always correct people there because they call everybody a pastor. Anybody that comes in the name of the Lord, you're automatically a pastor. So I said, no, I'm not a pastor. That's not my office. I'm, I'm an evangelist. And, um, but I knew I, something told me to talk to her. The Holy Spirit was like hovering over that situation. And he said, talk to her. That's going to be your wife. I knew the moment that we started speaking that she would be my wife. The Lord showed me. It was radical. I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with Jack. Hardly had any money. We're paying 850 bucks a month rent. We can't even hardly afford that. Okay? I'm like starting my business out of a trunk of a Honda Civic. I got no a plumbing company out of the trunk of a Honda Civic. Okay? I ran service calls out of the thing for a year and a half. I mean, I, I had nothing. How was I ever going to get back to the Philippines to bring this woman that God just showed me is going to be my wife? How is this going to happen? I was like, Lord, if this is you, this is going to be incredible because there is no way that I can accomplish this. And I began to proclaim the word of God over our relationship. And every morning, and this is, well, we've only got a couple of young people in here. Well, Ulysses ain't married yet. Think about what I'm saying. I really want you to grab hold of what I'm about, what I'm going to say. So what would happen is every morning, when the Lord showed me, actually when the Lord showed me, I told her, after a few days, I told her, I said, I believe the Lord showed me that you're going to be my wife. I know that it really shocked her. She's like, what? <laughs> Freaked her out, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she's like, this guy's out of his mind, and, um, you know, but I knew, and I was confident, I was confident, and I knew that I knew that I knew that God was doing something, so I began to proclaim the scripture in, in uh, Proverbs, in uh, Proverbs 18, 18? It's an 18, anyways, um, I, I'm really bad with addresses, so we'll just move on, um, but it says that he who finds a wife, right? He didn't say the wife found him. He who finds a wife, that's what the man does. He finds, he finds, not the woman. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And he obtains favor with God. And he obtains favor with man. And I began to proclaim that over our relationship, over my business, over our, my finances, over the things that I needed in order for God to bring forth what he had, the vision he had birthed in me, that this is my wife, right? I began to proclaim the word of God over that and trust God. And I'll tell you, the miracles that happened in that three months, we got married three months later. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was God. It was God. In three months, I made more money in my business than I had in nine months prior. Radical stuff. Okay. When it came time for me to go to the Philippines, I had to be able to go there and live there for a month. 
I don't even know. Before I did, in my own strength, I didn't even have the money to get there. How am I going to live there for a month and take care of Jack's back home in the, at the apartment? And all these scenarios, right, that would say it's utterly impossible. There's no way this is going to happen. My family, all my family, 100% against it. Didn't trust her. I mean, we love them. We're, we've, built, we've got relationships with everybody. We love everybody. But this is what we went through. They, there was no trust. So they said, no, nope, she's a con artist. You've lost your mind. No, we will not sponsor. No, we are not coming to the Philippines to go to a wedding. They had nothing to do with it. I don't even think we got a card, right? I think we finally got a photo album from my mom after a year. After a year. Okay? Because they didn't see what God was doing. But I tell you, there was a, a man in the church, and this is where unity comes in, in the body, and believing in the working of God in each other's lives, supporting each other, building each other up, being there for each other in those moments. A, a man that I knew in the church, uh, Caleb, came to me, and he was a contractor too. We're both contractors, and he's better than I. He's way better than me. And does a lot of commercial stuff and, you know, making big money and has a big family to feed. I think they have eight kids now. At that time, he had, I think he had, they already had six children. And he comes to me and says, Robert, I see God's moving in your life. I believe in what God is doing in you, and I, I know this is of God. I want to run your business for you. Pay me an hourly wage. I'll run your business for a month. I'll put all my stuff on hold so that I can take care of yours. Radical. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. If we... Oh, I'll go into a whole nother thing about serving the anointing. But, but God's blessed him. Caleb's business is blown up. I mean, Caleb, they moved to... They live in Tracy now in California. You know, beautiful home. Has an incredible business. Blessed with two more kids. I hope... I don't know if they're going to have more. <laughs> but... Yeah, we love him. We love him. I don't know if I could handle eight. <laughs> um, but he saw, he saw the call of God, you know, and what God was doing. He saw the moving of the Holy Spirit. He said, you know what, I want to be part of that. And, and I'll stand beside you, you know, while you do this. He was the only one. He was the only one. And uh, I'll never forget how God used his life to bless me. Um, so we went there, and I lived there for a month, and we got married, you know, and I, but I was determined that God would have his way. Even in that time when we got married, I said, well, what are we doing with this time? And I remember one day, we, we, I said, you know what, we, we have to do ministry. Before we get married, we've got to do ministry together. Now, we had preached at the, I had preached at our church, you know, she's, my wife was raised, uh, raised up in the Southern Baptist Church, so that was, it was fun. Holy Ghost moved. People were shocked. You know, conviction came. Things ha a lot of powerful things happened. Um, people. And, uh, but we watched over, after we got married, she couldn't come home with me. And so then more challenges. More things trying to get in the way dis and discourage and try to get us off track, you know. But we watched how God worked miracles. So I had hired this outside agency to help us with immigration, and nine months go by, and we still don't have a visa for her. She's supposed to be here. We did the, we got married there, and we were told that she would be here within six months. 
So we're at nine months. She's crying at the other end of the world. We're still, you know, we pray together every day over the phone, over uh, whatever, FaceTime or Face Messenger or whatever. We're praying and worshiping together. That's how we birthed our, our relationship was formed. From the very beginning, when, she, when I first was told she'd be my wife, I asked her, can we start to pray together? And so every morning when I woke up, I would call there and, we'd, and we would pray and worship together. We start by praying and then we just worship and worship in the spirit. And, and then and that's how we would end our day too for three months leading up to our wedding. So I was there. We have to do ministry first, you know. And so we started out going, we went into the, into the town uh, farmer's market rolled up in tricycles with boxes on top of the tricycles, loaded up with food. Hey, we got something for you. Gather the crowd. Preach the gospel. Watch people delivered, set free. <laughs> God will, he will wear you out. He'll wear you out. Seriously, every time we come home, I'm like, oh Lord, I don't think I could do any more. I got one more thing for you to do before you leave. You know, it's always something to do. There's always somebody to reach. So we'll go into the video real quick because I don't want to keep everybody here all afternoon and I'll keep talking. So, <laughs> so this is um, just some clips, uh, short video, some of the things we've done um, and the places, some of the areas that we minister in. And um, I believe the last slide will show the, the events that we're going to be doing on this trip, the different places that we'll be visiting. And um, so whenever you're ready, go ahead. That's where it all started. That's right outside my hotel in the Muslim marketplace. We've been ministering to those children and after I was there for a couple days, I came out. We had bought them clothes and food. We've been tending to them, to their needs. I came out of my hotel room at 3 in the morning and I saw that little boy sleeping on the ground. Next to a chair and went down to where the drunk guy had passed out. And when I went back into my room, I began to cry out to God. Lord, I've got to leave in a few days. I can only give him so much clothes, and I can only feed him. So I leave. Lord, what can we do for these people? And as I cried out to God, I opened up my, my Bible and I said, Lord, I, I'm just going to pray your word. And he took me to Ezekiel 36 26. This will forever be my cry over the Philippines. He said, in that day, I will give them a new heart, and I will give them a new spirit. Even of my spirit will I give them, says the Lord. He revealed to me that we can do many things in our own flesh to meet the needs of people. There's only one answer that will transform a nation be it the Philippines, the United States, or any other nation in the world. They must receive a new heart. They must receive a new spirit. They must be partakers in the spirit of God. 
for there to be a lasting change. So everywhere we go, we, we try to do whatever we can on each trip. You know, we, we still try to meet the humanitarian needs of people. They're poor. Kids don't have shoes. You know, most of them wear sandals, so it's not real expensive for us to help them with those things. But they don't have food. You know, Raddy could tell every one of your testimony when she was a little girl, and, and all they had was rice to eat. And now she prayed that they would have something else besides rice. And how a few moments later, a cat came walking up to their door with an unopened bag of dried fish. How will God use you? How's he going to use your life to touch the lives of other people? Be it right here or there, wherever you find yourself. Wherever we find ourselves in front of somebody, he ordained. Everybody wants a divine appointment. You have been divinely appointed for such a time as this to reach every soul that you come in contact with with the love, huh, love that passes all of us. disasters in the Philippines that even last year in January went through an ISIS attack where many families were displaced because their homes were destroyed. So they send them to Indahog Mountain where the government builds little houses big, big families in these little places. So we never know who we're going to get to First year was all people were displaced from a massive storm. Last year as we stood in the open court and preached I have a photo of me with my back to the crowd, people. As I'm preaching to the balconies above me, the Muslim fathers that are standing watch above us while we're ministering to their families. When we left that day, families that were hugging us at the end, they wouldn't leave for those Muslim families. going to destroy everything. Yoke to be here. Not in the world. So we'll go with the love of Jesus. Love me, I love you. After we were married, we decided we were going to buy a, we wanted to buy a house and a lot. So we would travel and have a place to stay in. And I paid for that entire lot, paid for the house. And when we arrived there to get the title, we were told by the sweet old lady, she didn't have the title to get there. And in my, in my own fears and my own, <laughs> really my flesh, I got upset. I said, woman, if you don't present that title to me in a couple of days, I will see you put in prison in five years. 
tell you this for a reason. I went back to my hotel with Braddy. She was shocked that I would able to speak to somebody that way. I went back to my hotel and that older evangelist <laughs> contacted me. He's planning a church, no bathroom. No bathrooms, he didn't have any way to take bathe, nothing. But he's up there living in that mountain, fulfilling the call of God in his life. He called me up and he said, hey, I, uh, would you mind if we come down to your hotel? I need to shower, I need a place to get cleaned up. And so I said, okay, come on down. And he, as he was there, I told him what had just happened, how I was just so wronged and I've been ripped off for thousands of dollars and for this property. And he began to go into sharing his life with me and telling me some stories. And it, and it all ended with this. Robert, since I was a teenager and I began to preach the gospel, I've been slandered. I've been, been robbed. I've had people that I never would have thought hurt me. But in all things, we are commanded to forgive. I was wrecked. I called, I turned to my wife. I said, you call that woman right now. You tell her I forgive her. And if whatever she has to offer in compensation, we'll receive it. The debt's cleared. So she said, well, I have a small lot up in the mountains, 50 square meters. Or no, what was it, 500, 500 square meters? Yeah, 500 square meters. And I said, okay, that's fine, I'll take it. It was worth half of what, less than half of what we had given her. And I said, that's fine, we'll, we'll accept that. And I contacted the pastor I was connected with there, and I said, hey, we're going to plant a church. And I gave the land to use. There were challenges that came and tried to interrupt that stuff, but we gave it back to the Lord. And I'll tell you that we planted that church. It's still there. We're going to be there on Resurrection Sunday. We'll be at that church that morning with a massive outreach to that entire community. Just one of several. Every day that I'm, that I'm able to be there this time, there are things planned, outreaches in different areas. And he called me nine months later, Pastor, and he said, I have something to tell you. The tribe up here, just past where the, the church is at, where we planted the church, the tribe up here wants to sell you six hectares and they'll take, I think it was like 30,000, I mean 300,000 pesos, right? $6,000 for equivalent to 15 acres on a river, the stream running through it. And I didn't even have to take a moment to think about it. I knew it was God. And I said, Father, I thank you. He honors our obedience. He does. And I could have held on to my anger and said, I was wronged, I was wronged, I was wronged. But when we just are willing to do things his way, say, Lord, it's not mine anyway. It all belongs to you. Oh, amazing what God's doing. So the last clip there was talking about the Heaven Spring Farm and Mission Training Center. We believe that God will use that place not only to minister to the people that are there in the tribal community where there will be 150 tribal members will be at the event that we have there the day after Resurrection Sunday. Okay? The whole community that we're able to reach. We've invited them out. They're not even believers. They're not believers. None of them. Okay? They sacrificed a pig on our property that when they sold it to us. It was a condition for them to sell it to us. I said, you do whatever you want. 
It has no power. You can go ahead. Do what you need to do. But the land belongs to us. And we know that, you know, Father's just doing amazing things. So next year, because the Lord's establishing things in his house, right? Raddy, are, Raddy and I are going this year, and by God's, <laughs> just the love of God, my grandmother's going with us, which is, Father loves to bless us personally. And for me personally, it's huge. It's one of the greatest things in my life to have her with us. But I know that Father's establishing things in this house. And next year we plan to do, uh, next year we want to take a team. We want to take people from the church that have a heart for missions, that even if you just want to see what's going on, you know, that we'll be working over the next year, right, for the next, for next year's trip, okay? And so that others that have that heart, we want you to come. We want you to see what God's doing. Take part in it, you know? So anyways. We love you guys, and um, yeah, the Lord's awesome. Jesus is amazing. Amen. Pastor? Amen. Thank you. I'm, I'm blessed. Oh, we, we are blessed, too. You know, we truly are blessed that we're a part of our family. Yes. Yes. Amen, and we believe that great things are happening and going to happen. At this time, we're going to go ahead and take up a special offering for Robert and Rowdy. <laughs> Warned you. <laughs> I told her earlier. <laughs> you heard me telling her. <laughs> the Lord's good. The Lord is good. Is amazing. Amen. I'm gonna have to throw some stuff out of my luggage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty heavy, isn't it? it is, yeah, a little bit. It is. It is. Yeah, it should. It actually, because um, we thought I thought about communion set for the mission training center out there in the farm, and 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 I was telling Raddy, I said, you know, I just don't see a shiny metal communion set out there. It needs to be made from wood, right? <laughs> Because the whole, because our, you know, the buildings are made out of bamboo and coconut and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and then Pastor was reminding me yesterday, he said, you know, Myrtlewood is only, only grows in two places, right? In Israel, in Israel and in Southern Oregon. It's amazing. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. So we will probably, um, when we go, we'll probably leave this at the church that we had planted with Pastor Dodong. Um, because... He um, he kind of he oversees the farm while we're gone, 
and then he also um, is the, the pastor there at the church, so it would be perfect for them to be able to use it when we're not there as well. And as a church, we all get to partake of the blessings. Absolutely. Of yeah. All the ministry done there and the people set free. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's part of that, part of the, that oneness that the Lord's. Yeah.
we invite you to visit us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at 2015 Northwest Highland Avenue, Grants Pass, Oregon, 97526. You can find us or contact us on Facebook under High Rock Church. If you would like to give into this ministry, you may do so by going to highrockchurchgp.org and click on Online Giving. We are so happy you were able to join us today.